excited to share with you this evening. Um, the title of the message tonight is One Thing Necessary. One Thing Necessary. And I know that all of us, you jump to the conclusion that you know which thing is necessary, right? We all know as Christians, as the body of Christ, we know the one thing that is necessary in our lives. We know that thing. And what is it? It's Jesus, right? We know Jesus is that one necessary ingredient for me to be who I'm supposed to be, for me to be who I'm called to be, for me to be able to live the life that he's created me to have. I have to have Jesus. But my question with that, because I wrote that in my journal, I know the necessary thing for life. But how many times do we push that necessary thing aside? How many times do we push out the necessary thing um, and replace it with something else and replace it with someone else or replace it with a hobby or replace it? There's so many excuses for pushing out the necessary thing. Or we can say, I know exactly what the necessary thing is but I feel like I'm still, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to talk right. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to have a healthy marriage. I'm trying to raise my kids the way they're supposed to go. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do with my finances, but I am just, I don't have what it takes. I don't, I'm still struggling. I'm still frustrated. I still can't find peace, but I'm doing that one thing. I have that one thing. And so with this word tonight, and we're going to jump right into a story, and we're kind of going to stay in this story for most of the night, but this one thing, okay, I keep looking at the camera, but then there's people, so I'll see you guys too. I'd rather look at you because it's really awkward to like pretend to be ignoring you, but um, that in this story here, we're going to see how this one thing that we can absolutely be pursuing the one thing, we can absolutely have this one thing in our life, but still struggle, but still live frustrated. And then I'm going to, I'm going to show you how. So let's go to Luke 10 38 and we're going to jump into the story. My favorite, my favorite thing about the word of God is to put ourselves in the story because I feel like that we catch so much more when we're one of the characters in the story and not just reading about somebody else. And so in this story, Luke 10, 38, and we're going to put it up in the Amplified. I'm going to read it back and forth in both. So I have my Bible up here, and then I'll read it in the Amplified as well. And it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Okay, so let's stop right there, and we're going to talk about this verse for a second. So we're going to kind of dissect it as we go through. So we have Martha, right? She invites Jesus into her house. And the title of the message is One Thing Necessary, right? So how many of us have ever said, I've invited Jesus to my house? I've invited it. Maybe we've, been, we've all asked him into our heart, but we've invited Jesus into our house. We've invited him into our lives and we've done that, right? That's something that we, and we see Martha here. She did the same thing. She invited him over. So now Jesus is in her house, right? And she invited him over and then we're going to keep reading in just a second, but I want to get this point first. She invited him into her life. She invited him into her house. And so many of us have made that same decision that we say, I want the presence of God in my house. You're welcome here. We sing that worship song, right? You're welcome here. Your presence is welcome here. We want you in our home. We want you centered in our home. We don't want to do life without you. And so Martha asked Jesus into her house. But then my question here is, why did she ask him into her house? Was he just passing by or did she need something? Because we do the same thing where sometimes we want Jesus in our house because that's the right thing to do, right? We want Jesus in our house. But then there's other times that we invite Jesus into our house because I need something from Jesus and I know I cannot do life without him and I need him in my home. And so we see Martha here that she has a couple options here 
of maybe why she could have invited him over. We don't know that answer, and that's why we're in the story. Why have you asked Jesus to be in your house this week? Is it because I need something from Jesus, or is it because I know I just need Jesus in my house all the time, no matter what? Why have we asked Jesus? Why have we asked his presence to be in our house this week? We don't know that specific answer from Martha here, but she asked him in her house. And so then let's keep reading here, and we're going to jump to the next verse. And it says, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Okay, so let's stop here, and we're going to dissect this verse. Okay, Jesus came in. It says nothing about Martha sitting at the feet of Jesus. But it says that Jesus came in and it says that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Okay, a couple of things here that I want to point out. When it talks about sitting at the feet of Jesus throughout the word of God, we see that it's an act of worship, that it's to pay attention to someone, recognize the position of somebody. It shows honor and shows humility. And so we see that as Jesus came in, now here's something else I want to point out. They knew who Jesus was, right? Mary and Martha knew who he was. They had seen what he was doing throughout the word of God. They knew who he was or not. They didn't have the word of God, but they knew who Jesus was because of the disciples, because of hearing about what Jesus was doing. So they knew who he was. They invited him into the house. Martha it doesn't say anything about her being at his feet. But it shows Mary immediately, the first time she's mentioned, says Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so Mary immediately recognizing who he was, immediately recognized that this is Jesus. And, and he's somebody that I need to honor. He's somebody that I need to worship. He's somebody, she recognized who he was and responded accordingly. Now let's keep reading. And it says, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him. Oh, we're going to stop before we get to the approached him part. She was distracted with much serving. We're going to stop there and break this down. So Martha was distracted with much serving. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. How many times do we invite Jesus into our home, but we're distracted about everything that's going on around us where we're like, Jesus, thank you for being here. Jesus, we welcome you into our home. Jesus, we welcome you. We want to serve you. Jesus, we need you every single day in our lives. But then we go about just our normal business, making decisions, how we would make decisions, responding how we would normally respond. But we want to make sure that Jesus is still in our home. He's there. We recognize his presence sitting in our home. We know that he's there. But then it says that she was busy, distracted, and she was serving. Why was she doing that? Because she wants to be a good host, right? Okay, so here's my question. How many of us do that with Jesus in our Christian walk? That I want to host the presence of God. I want to host Jesus at my home. So I'm going to invite him in. But then I'm going to stay distracted, making sure this is the best experience that he's ever had. And I'm going to talk right to my kids and talk right to my husband. And I'm going to make sure the house is in order. And I'm going to make sure my finances are in order. I'm going to make sure everybody, everything's cleaned up. You guys have all hosted a party, right? You want to make sure that there is plenty of food for everybody. You want to make sure that there's more than enough of everything. Everybody's having a good time. Stuff seems, you know, mostly clean before they come, even though it's going to get trashed. And so you clean everything up. And then you're making sure everybody has enough food. There's enough games. There's enough stuff going on for everybody to enjoy their time. Well, so often without recognizing it, we do the same thing with Jesus. Jesus, come, let me clean up my life really quick. Okay, Jesus, now I want your presence in my life because I feel like I've been really good for the last couple days. I've talked right. I've acted right. I've, I've spoke right. I, we're kind of on an uphill swing. I need you. And so we bring Jesus in. But instead of sitting at his feet, like we see Mary is, and I'm going to show you why the difference is, instead of sitting at the feet where Mary was, we're busy 
trying to host Jesus in our life. We're trying to make sure that he's having a good time, that everything's up and running like it should be, that everything is, is going hunky-dory, or we're talking right, we're, we're acting right, everything's good so that we can host Jesus and he can be happy with his experience in our life. And we don't recognize that we do that, but as I've been studying this out, I went, man, if I'm honest, if I were to sit back and I'm, I'm sitting in this story, I would probably be Martha. Because th- that's my natural, I love to clean, I like things clean, but I also stress clean. And what does it mean to stress clean? That means that because I don't want to deal with whatever's going on in here, I'm going to make sure everything's clean out here. So I'm cleaning, I'm picking stuff up, I'm making sure everything's good to go, and I can think through some things, but I'm cleaning and I'm cleaning and I'm cleaning. I would totally be Martha. I want Jesus to enjoy his time in my life. And so therefore I'm going to clean stuff up and I'm going to keep picking stuff up and I'm going to pretend everything's in order and I'm going to make sure that I'm talking real nice to my husband and I'm going to make sure that I'm talking real nice to people in my life and I'm going to make sure that I, I, I mean, I'm on my best behavior when I've asked Jesus to be in my home that day. Even though he's there all the time, it's different when we make that conscious decision. Well, here's the difference. It's the Lord factor here that when Martha invited Jesus over, she saw him as a guest. Maybe she saw him as a friend. Maybe it had become common, the relationship that she had with him. And so do we invite Jesus over as a guest, as if he's going to leave and come back another time when we're clean? Or do we invite Jesus in as a friend? Like, make yourself at home when you feel like it. I've got stuff to do. Jump in whenever you feel like it, Jesus. Or is he just so common that life goes on as normal And we don't even acknowledge his existence in the room. That it's so common that we miss that he is Lord, that he is Savior, that he laid down his life for us, that he's been in our tomorrows, that he's already been there. And we have no clue where we're going. We have no clue what life is going to be like. And he has everything we need. But he's also just become common because he's always there. And so my question on this point right here is, who is Jesus in your home? When you invite Jesus over, are you inviting him as a guest? Like he's going to go home at some point when you get tired and then life goes back to who I'll do the dishes tomorrow because I'm just real tired and we can be grumpy for a few minutes and then we clean it back up for the next party when we invite Jesus back over. Or is he just a friend and we just expect Jesus to jump in on our life when he feels like it? I have friends that come over and I got chores to do. We're working horses. We're cleaning something. We're whatever. And they come hang out with me. We have a cup of coffee and then they're going to jump in and clean the barn with me and they're going to jump in and feed with me and they're going to do all that. Is that how we expect Jesus to be in our life? When we welcome Jesus in, are we asking him just to jump in? Or do we see him as Lord? See, Mary saw him as Lord. And Mary chose that, no, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus because he is my Lord. And what is Lord? That's a person of authority. That's a person that has power, right? And so she gets down at the feet of Jesus going, I'm going to worship you for who you are. I don't want to do any of this until you give me what you have, until you give me what I need to know to be able to do this. Martha, on the other hand, is over here going, I got to get this done here. So this is taken care of. And then I can go over here and acknowledge my guest, right? When you host the party, you clean everything, you cook everything, you have everything ready to go. Then you go sit down with your guest, right? That's how we do things. I had a party at the house the other day and I was grilling and I was getting food out. And once we got all that done, then I went and hung out with my guest. 
But Jesus isn't a guest in our life. He should be Lord in our life. And that's the difference that we see here. So let's keep reading right here. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, hold on a minute. Why did she say Lord when she is not treating him as Lord, when she is not positioning herself for him to be Lord in her life? So she says the word Lord here, but her posture and her position is completely contrary to what's coming out of her mouth. And so she says, Lord, and then she keeps going and she says, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. This was a big point to me as I've been studying that there's like, we got 10 points in this one verse here, but she says, Lord, she's not treating him as Lord. She's treating him as a guest. But her words are saying the right thing, but her heart is not there. And the Bible tells us that just because they say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean they're going to enter the kingdom of God. It says they draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And we see that with Martha here, that she's treating Jesus as a guest. And then she says, Lord, and then she tells her Lord what to do in her home. She says, Lord. And in the Amplified, she's like very firm here. Is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me, to lend a hand and do her part along with me. Tell her. Okay, now remember, we're going to jump in this story and apply it to our lives. Lord, tell my husband to stop acting that way. Lord, tell my husband to not respond to me that way. Lord, tell my kids to not treat me like this. Lord, could you just tell my coworkers? Could you just tell my boss? Could you just fix this situation for me? But we come as Lord, right? Because we're saying, I know the power you have and now I want to use it to satisfy what would make me feel good out here. I want to tell you how to use your power so that I'm satisfied. I want to tell you how to use this so that I'm comfortable. Why was she upset? Because she's busy. But then here's, why is she mad at Mary? Is Mary doing anything wrong? No, Mary's not doing anything wrong, but I have to wonder Is she mad at Mary and comparing and jealous of Mary because that's where she wants to be, but she's not there? Why? Because when I get all this done, then I can go over here. How many of us have ever said, well, I'd like to be at church too. I'd like to be close to God like too, but I got this work to do when I got this to do. And when I get that done, then I'll be able to draw near to God. When I get this figured out, then, well, I have kids and they keep me up all night. So I don't have time to spend time in prayer like everybody else. How many of you guys have heard that or said that, right? So we have Martha that's doing the same thing going, well, Jesus, I'd love to sit at your feet too, but I got all this to do. Could you tell her to help me out a little bit? Maybe we're that way with our husband. Maybe we're that way with our boss, our coworker. Maybe we're that way towards our pastor that it's, well, yeah, I'd like to get there too. If you would just tell them to help me out, then we can all worship Jesus together. Then we can all grow together. Our marriage would be great if you would tell him to do his part. Our family would be great if you would tell them to do their part. And we want to serve Jesus as Lord, but we want to use his power, not for what his power is for. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus going, Jesus, what do you have to tell me? What are you pouring into my life? What can you do here? Martha, on the other hand, is Jesus, I need you to fix all this so that I can be at peace in here. 
but Jesus works the opposite way. See, we want Jesus to confront the issues on the external so we can feel better on the internal, but Jesus wants to confront the issues on the internal so that we can respond correctly to the external. External circumstances are gonna change. External circumstances are always gonna be different. The people we're around, the situations that we face in life, the, I mean, gosh, COVID, who saw that coming? Nobody, right? But when I am solid in here because I've let Jesus do what he wants to do on the inside of me first, then I can respond based on something solid where it no longer matters what's going on around here because I'm focused on what God wants to do on the inside of me. I'm not focused on all this. Martha could not focus and she was distracted on what was going on on the inside of her. So she wanted Jesus to fix everything going on in the external so that she could be okay internally. And so she gets upset at her sister who's literally doing nothing wrong but being somewhere that she wants to be. How many of us can get upset at somebody because, well, I'd like to talk that way too. I'd like to be able to be that close to Jesus too. I'd like to be able to have my marriage look like that too. I'd like to, and without realizing it, we're upset at that person. We're upset at those people. We're upset at that family because they've done nothing but have what we want or they've done nothing but be where we wanna be. And that's a huge indicator that what we've done is allow Jesus not to be Lord of our life, but to ask him to be a guest in our house and utilize his power to do something on our behalf. I mean, she flat out told Jesus what he was going to do. She said, I need you to do this. I need you to tell her to do this. And this is going to be, I'm going to quote this here, something huge in our notes is that you are always as close to God as you want to be. And we're gonna come back to that at the end, but you are always as close to God as you want to be. No one can keep you from him. No one can keep you not a situation. Nothing can keep you from growing in your relationship with God, but you will always be as close to him as you want to be. Martha could have been at Jesus' feet just like Mary was, but she was distracted by everything going on over here because she didn't, she spoke the right words, And sometimes we've been in church too long. Sometimes we've been in the word too long where we're just, I know all the answers. I know how God would want me to handle this situation. I know how they should be acting. I know how my marriage should look. I know how my finances should look. I know every single answer. I know what those are. And I serve Jesus as Lord and I welcome him into my house. But we don't position and posture ourselves as though he's Lord. We just speak that he is Lord. And that was huge to me that I go, do I just speak that Jesus is Lord of my life? What does it mean to be Lord? That means he's first, right? Um, Jensen Franklin has an acronym for him being first in your life. And the F is your finances. If Jesus is really first in your life, then you trust him with your finances and you give your first. And number two for the I was interest. Do your interest show that Jesus is Lord and first in your life? Or do we have interests separate from church on Sunday and then we go about our week and we forget that Jesus is Lord the rest of the week, but then Jesus is only our Sunday interest? Or is he in the middle of all of our interests throughout the week? 
F-I-R, gotta spell it. The R is relationships. Is Jesus first in our relationships? What kind of friends do we surround ourselves with? What kind of people do we allow in our life? What kind of friends do we allow our kids to have? That is Jesus first in those relationships? Are they God honoring relationships? Are they relationships that are pulling us away from God, away from the word, away from the character of Jesus? And so first in relationships, S is your schedule. Is Jesus first in your schedule or is he the leftover of our schedule that all these things need to get accomplished first, just like we see with Martha here, that after I get all this done, then I'll go entertain my debt, my guests. But first I need to clean this up so I make sure he has a good time at my party. Or he's just my friend and he jumps in whenever. So what does our schedule look like? And then T, this one was big for me, was um, is Jesus first in your trouble? Where do you run to when trouble hits, when, when struggle happens, when frustration happens, when unexpected circumstances happen? Is Jesus the first thing that you look to? Is the word the first thing that you look to? Or do we look everywhere else and then in the middle of the crisis somewhere go, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you to show up. And he's like the third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or the very, very, very last resort. What is he? Because if he's Lord, then he is absolute first, no matter what. And I have written down here some things in, in my journal that I, that I put in here that is Jesus really first in my life? When I feel like I was wronged, how do I respond? Do I respond according to the word of God or do I respond according to my emotions? That'll tell us real fast if Jesus is really first in our life. If he's really Lord of our life, then I'm more concerned with serving him than I am my own emotions. I'm more concerned with serving him than I am just feeling good about myself or feeling good in this moment. And so, and then uh, another one that I had written down is what do my words look like? What are my words? See, I can't pour out what's not in me. I can't pour out joy if I am full of depression. I can't um, pour out peace if I'm full of worry and anxiety and fear. I can't pour out what's not in me. And so if Jesus is first in my life, then I should be filled with the things of God. And so that's what I'm pouring out. The other thing is that I can't see what's not in me. And so if I don't have peace, then everywhere I look is just, this is frustrating. This is, this makes me angry. This is, well, I'm afraid of that. Well, that makes me nervous. If I don't have joy, then everything out here is just negative. Well, it's never going to get better. I don't know why we're going to walking through this. I can't. Why? Because I'm only seeing as a result of what's in me. And when we want to see the perspective of what Jesus has for our lives, then we need to be able to say, God, fill me with what you want to put on the inside of me. So that when we open our eyes, see Martha, had she been filled with the love of Jesus? Then when she would have looked at Mary, she would have been, oh, I'm so proud of her for being at the feet of Jesus. I should be there too. But instead we know what she was filled with based on what she saw and how she responded. So now put ourselves in the story. What do we do in that situation? What do we do when we receive correction? What do we do when we feel like I was wrong? Do we buck up and respond in pride and I had a reason to act that way? Or... Are we filled with humility to go, no, I was wrong. No, I should be at the feet of Jesus with her. That shouldn't intimidate me. That should invite me to be there too. Notice that Mary was not annoyed with Martha. Martha was annoyed with Mary in our story here. So let's keep going here. So only see and experience what's on the inside of me. And let's keep going to 41. And it says, and this is the part I want to read in the Amplified. And I love how it says, it doesn't just say he replied, because remember Martha just said here, she said, Lord, right? She, she had lip service. She wanted to say, Lord, tell him how to use her power. And she said, Lord, 
but her heart wasn't saying Lord. Her posture wasn't saying Lord. So it doesn't just say he replied. It makes sure we know who God really is in this sentence. It says, but the Lord replied. Like, let me remind you who's Lord in your life. Let me remind you who you're telling what to do here. And it says, but the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, really in um, Hebrew, when you study out what Martha is, it's Linda, Linda. I'm just kidding. I like it better that way. The Lord replied to her by saying, Linda, Linda, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Let's stop there for a minute. You are anxious, thank you, and troubled by many things. How many of us can relate to that? Are we anxious and troubled by many things? So many things, in fact, that our day looks like, God, could you just fix that? God, could you take care of that? God, could you just help me with the, my relationship with my husband? God, could you help me with my kids? God, could you help me? Can you take care of that with our finances? God, let us get that job. God, let COVID end. Let, let us get out of quarantine. God, do this. God, do. We're anxious and we're troubled about so many things that we're not letting God do anything on the inside of us. We're just expecting him to fix everything on the outside of us so that we can feel comfortable. And we've missed allowing him to do something on the inside of us. We're going to face things. That's not going to change. So he, he says, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. Let's keep going. There is need of only one or but a few things. And then I want to read that here in mine as well. It says, but only one thing is needed. Another translation, it says, but only one thing is necessary. And that's where we get our title tonight. But only one thing is actually necessary. And it says, Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. So let's stop there and kind of dissect this for a minute. And I want to start with the part where it says that it will not be taken away from her. What does that even mean? And I'm going to read that in, in the New King James translation too. It says, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. She's chosen that part that will not be. What will not be taken away from her? I asked myself that question. What is not being taken away here? Okay, when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus and Jesus speaks into our life and we are positioning ourselves in a place that declares him as Lord, right? When we're sitting in a position that says, you are Lord of my life. Now, when Jesus is putting what he's putting on the inside of us, when he's speaking and we're allowing that to get on the inside of us and we're not focused on anything going on around here, we're not focused around anybody else, what God is or isn't doing in anybody around us, is or isn't doing in our finances, in the, our family members' lives, in our jobs' lives, if we're not focused on any of that and our focus is just on Jesus, that Jesus, I need you to do with me what you would do. I need you to do on the inside of me what only you can do. When we're focused that way, then what Jesus puts on the inside of us, his word, it says that his word is like a rock, that his word brings life, that his word is joy, that his word is peace, that his word, and it can go on and on and on and on. But when we get the word of God down in our heart, when we get the word of Jesus into our heart, when we allow him to speak something on the inside of us, then what he's done there, what we've received from him cannot be taken away. 
The word tells us that the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. That what he puts on the inside of me, that can't be taken from me. That can't be stolen from me. That's gonna give me life. See, but when we're just so focused on everything out here, then what we're doing is we're playing the enemy's game and we know the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But we know that God has come to give us life. But when I allow the enemy to play his game because I'm focused on everything but Jesus, but I've still invited, remember, we're not ignoring Jesus. We've invited him to our home like only good Christians would do. We've invited him there, but he's just a guest or he's just a friend. He's not Lord. And so even though Jesus is in our home, I still feel stolen from. I still feel like I'm frustrated. I still feel like I can't get peace. I still feel like everything's falling apart. Why? Because we haven't made him Lord. We haven't positioned ourselves to put him as Lord in our life. We've just brought him into the house. And so... What he's showing here is, Martha, I could fix everything going on on the outside. And the next outside circumstance is going to steal that peace that you think you had with all of this fixed. Think about that for a minute. Everything in your life that you've been telling God you need him to fix for the last, well, just today or the last week or month or year or whatever. Really, it's just today because we can't think about what we were whining about yesterday because we got too much today, right? And so all these things that we told Jesus to fix today, remember, Lord, fix this. You don't tell Lord to fix this. That's not Lord. That makes you Lord of your life. But Lord, fix this. All of those things, let's just say, he fixed them right now. He fixes everything right now. But then tomorrow, somebody hacked your bank account. You have no money. All of your tires are flat. You lost your job. Your kids are psycho, like they ate tiger food or something crazy. Where'd that peace go that you had today when God fixed everything for you? Where'd it go? That can be taken away. That joy can be taken away. That peace, why? Because it's superficial and it just satisfies my emotions. It's not something that was given to me by Jesus because what we get from Jesus, what we get from the word, says the joy of the Lord is your strength. If we lose our joy, we lose our strength, right? And so the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so those things cannot be taken away from us when we get them from the source we're supposed to be getting them from. But when we're just sitting here praying and waiting for Jesus to fix this outside situation, that will always be stolen because it was never solid to begin with. It was never something that he had put on the inside of us. It just satisfied our emotion. So when he does something on the inside of us, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside because we have something solid that's in us. And then going back to that, she was worried. She was bothered. She was distracted about so many things. And we see that on the external. It says that she was serving and she was worried and she was distracted. Did you know that so many times the things that we're doing in the external just reveal what's going on on the internal? Why would I try to be fixing and cleaning and taking care of all of this? Because I can't control what's going on on the inside of me. So I'm going to go ahead and control everything going on on the outside of me so I can feel good about it. And it just reveals where our heart is. It just reveals what's going on on the inside of us. So we try to take care of all of this, including telling Jesus what to do. It's super exciting. So how do we, let's take our points away from this and look at a couple more scriptures and then we'll close. But number one, is he welcome in your home? Is he welcome in your home? That's the first thing. We're all pretty good about that. We all want Jesus in our home. But number two, what is your posture to him in your home? 
Is it just your words saying, Lord? Or is your posture saying, Lord? Because we can all talk a good talk. We can all say he's Lord of our life. We can all say that we put Jesus first, but do our actions back it up? Is your posture saying that he's Lord? What external issues, number three, what external issues are we praying or complaining about that require an internal fix? What external issues are we praying or complaining about that require an internal fix? And here's a good way to, here's your little indicator for that. If the external fix can bring you peace, you've not accessed the peace of God. If the external peace or the external fix can bring you peace, you've not accessed the true peace of God because we should be able to have peace regardless of what we're facing. We should be able to have joy regardless of what we're facing. And if it's just the external fix that brings us that, we've not accessed what God has for us. Number four, dethrone whatever is standing between you and Jesus. Dethrone whatever is standing between you and Jesus. That means all these distractions that are just keeping me busy so that I can host Jesus in my home. We need to get rid of those. We need to get rid of the distractions so that we can sit at the feet of Jesus. Stop what we're doing and say, I choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Number five, allow him to confront internal issues and fill you with something solid. Allow him to confront internal issues and fill you with something solid. Number six, Worry about you and not everybody else. Worry about you and not everybody else. It's not about God fixing all these people. He can fix them. You're still the problem. Like if you never let him fix him, like it's just true. If everybody else is the problem, we never let him do what he needs to do on the inside of us. We're still gonna be the problem. And therefore everybody else is still gonna need to be fixed forever. So your indicator with that. If everyone else is always the problem and you're always praying to God to fix them, let them see that, open their eyes, strengthen them, you should pray for you and let Jesus put on the inside of you what you need instead of what he needs to do for everybody else. Okay, so how do we do this? Psalm 4610. says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. One of the biggest things that we can do is just what Mary did, is that be still factor. Taking time. Now there's balance between spiritual things and natural things. I know we got jobs, we got families, we got stuff to do, we got stuff to get done. There's a lot of that, but we also have to balance the fact that I'm not just going to be still all day because my Bible says to be still and God's going to take care of it all. But it's amazing how hard it is for us to actually just be still. Without doing anything, without cleaning anything, without spending our prayer time while doing something else, praying while we're driving, all that's great. You should do that. But how easy can you just sit and be still and listen for the voice of God? Time yourself. I think the average is 45 seconds before your mind goes somewhere else. Time yourself, see how long you can be still and listen to what God has to say. Be still and meditate on a scripture, but take time to go because I, I have to wonder, sometimes we get in our routine and we get up and we go about our day and we go about our day and we're just rolling and then all of a sudden we're like, oh God, I need you to make sure that we get here safe. God, I need you to make sure that you take care of that. God, I need you to make sure, have we consulted him about anything today? 
Have we stopped and listened and said, God, am I about your business today? Am I going where you would have me to go today? Are we God aware? Are we God focused throughout our day? Or are we just going about our business? Remember, he's the tag along friend that just jumps in with us because we're hosting him in our lives. He's a guest in our life. We're calling him Lord, but we want him to bless our agenda. Or is he truly Lord going, God, I want to surrender to you today. I want to surrender to what you have today. The highest level of spiritual maturity that we can achieve is total dependency on God. The highest level of spiritual maturity that we can receive is total dependency on God. Not my will, but yours be done. Not me first, but kingdom first. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And I just want to back up what we were saying here about God doing stuff on the inside, what his order of things are. And it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Okay, but let's back up to this part. He may call your whole, there we go. Look at that order, spirit, then soul, then body. He may call your spirit, your soul, your body. Our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions. If it's not submitted to the spirit, then it's submitted to the flesh. And so many times we're focused on God fixing our soul first. God, I need you to help my mind. God, I need you to help my mouth. God, I need to feel better about this situation. I'm worried about my emotions, right? What I want, what I think, and how I feel. I need you to take care of me first. We want God to fix that first, but he wants to fix our spirit first, meaning we need to surrender to him, get what he has to say, meditate on that. Then my mind, my will, and my emotions will line up to the word of God, and then I can act on it, right? Then I can act on it. But that's the order that he designed us to operate in, spirit, then soul, then body. We usually go soul, body, spirit. Sometimes we just leave out the spirit part. If we can live without the word, we will. If we can live without him, we will. And then back to the quote, and we have one more scripture, but back to that quote that I told you, you are always as close to God as you want to be. You are always as close to God as you want to be. It's not on anybody else. It is on you. You are as close to him as you want to be. And then we're going to close with Psalm 27.4. Because our title is, is One Necessary Thing. And I love this scripture, but that this would be our goal. And even just take this and meditate on this scripture this week. But it says one thing, one thing, that one thing that I have desired from the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And then in the Amplified, it also says his presence in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. That one thing that I desire, that one thing that I want is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that we would position ourselves for him to be Lord, right? We would position ourselves to surrender and submit to his presence, not what we want. We don't want to be Martha here that's just taking care of everything on the outside and we miss what God wants to do on the inside of us. And so one necessary thing is Jesus. And so if you're in a, a situation that, I mean, we mentioned this at the beginning, that you go, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything that I know to do. Are we saying Jesus is Lord or are we positioning ourselves for him to be Lord in our lives? That's my question as we close. That's my question going, going throughout this week is that 
Are we positioning ourselves like Mary, that I see that he is Lord and I'm positioning myself as such? Or are we like Martha where we, I know that he's Lord. I know who he is and I welcome him into my home and then I need him to bless my agenda. And then I'm frustrated that it's not working, but we've never allowed him to be Lord in our lives. So we're going to pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much that you truly are Lord. And Father, we repent. If we have made you just a guest in our house, if, you, if we have made you just a friend that's coming over, and if you've become common, if your presence has become common in our homes, if we've gotten really, really good at lip service and not good at surrendering our hearts and being a posture of worship before you, a posture of humility before you. And Lord, tonight as we go forward, we want to recommit to you and say, Father, we want you to truly, truly, truly be our Lord, the Lord of our life, the one that makes the decisions in our life, the one that we seek first, no matter what, the one that we seek first in all areas of our life, that we're not submitted just to our own emotions and our own feelings, but we're submitted to you, Father, that you first, your kingdom first, that we would seek you above all else, that we would seek you first, that we would bow, that we would recognize that you are Lord and it's not about us. I pray that you would open our eyes, Father, and minister to each and every one of us as individuals and that we would stop praying that you fix everybody else, but Father, you would truly do a work on the inside of us. We pray for your joy, your peace, Father, your comfort, your hope, everything about who you are that would fill us, Father, with something solid, that we would see the way that you see, that we would see from your perspective. Pray that you would clean us from the inside out this week. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. We will be back at the arena on Sunday morning at nine o'clock. We're going to film live from there this week. And so you'll be able to join us online or feel free to join us. The address and everything will be on Facebook. So if you do want to join us live, we will be out at the arena. And then Wednesdays will still be online until further notice. So thank you. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your week.